Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hi, welcome to Finders Grievers, a happy-ish podcast about sad things. I'm your host, Shohana Sharman. Listen, we all know that talking about grief is my favorite thing in the world, and I've never met a grief conversation I haven't loved. But even among all those lovely grief chats, some conversations just feel a little smoother than the rest. Sometimes, by some magic of the universe, two Scorpios find each other, and the grief talk, it just flows out of them. I met Catherine Hernandez in November 2018 through the Emerging Creators Unit at Buddies in Bad Times Theater. Catherine was the program director, and I was an awkward comedian fumbling my way into theater. Before meeting her, I had already read and adored Catherine's award-winning novel Scarborough, so I was extra awkward around her because I was low-key a fangirl. Not only is she a celebrated author, screenwriter, and theater artist, but Catherine is also a wife, a mom, a cool Scorpio, and so much more. I was so lucky to be mentored by Catherine at Buddies that year, and again at Be Current Theater the following year. I wrote my first real solo theater show under Catherine's tutelage in 2019, and two years later, I'm still lucky to be able to call her a mentor and a friend. So, now seems like a good time to ask her about grief, right? Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. Just, um, I just finished the first draft of my novel, so that I feel like so relieved. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. How are things with you? Things are okay. Um, working. Yeah. Uh, trying to stay creative, trying to keep that part of my brain alive, um, but also trying to be kind to myself because I think it's been very hard to be creative in this. I, I was going to say weather, but in this uh, <laughs> in this um, setting. Um, so yeah, just just trying to find a good balance. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that this is a great place to start. So yeah, um, I really admired your gardening skills last summer. I'm not going to lie. I follow you on Instagram. You're <laughs> Green thumb is very inspiring. Just seeing your luscious green garden gave me so much joy. Yeah, I okay. So basically, the garden is really an exercise in like accepting failure, and you know this because you know ha- us having the time together of um, you being under two programs of mine, where we where I was constantly teaching students how to fail in theater. Is that this process of gardening is that you're you're constantly failing. Like you're just watching like, you know, 20 seedlings looking at you and you just know that they are knocking on death's door and you just have to let them go. I find that so hard. And um, yet it's the only way that you learn, right, is that if you don't follow the exact instructions of like putting a seed in exactly the right spot, you know, spaced out from its neighbors, it's going to die. And even when you do it right, it might die still. (laughs) You know, you never know. There's going to be a squirrel. There's going to be anything. So, yeah, so it was a really humbling experience. We're going to try again, and we have onions coming in, leeks. Um, so, yeah, so it's we're starting the process all over again. That's so exciting. And, yeah, it is so humbling. Um, the pandemic has created a huge community of plant parents on the Internet. <laughs> so I've joined a couple of 
Facebook groups uh, of people just talking about how to take care of their plants. And it's so funny. You see people like, you know, they have their plant corners with a humidifier going, just the right amount of light, just everything is perfect. <laughs> it's like a Zen garden in their tiny condo. Um, and yet some of the plants just aren't liking it. They're not going to have it. You just have to start to accept that. Um, yeah. So I wanted to chat with you today about um, losing someone and how that loss impacts our work as artists. So you are an incredible writer, author, and I know that you you lost someone very close to you. What was your grief like? What was your grieving process? It was, you know, I, we're both Scorpios. So we know <laughs> this idea of rebirth and renewal. And during that time of mourning, I thought to myself, there was I, I didn't want to be stuck in that feeling forever. Mm. I was constantly trying to find a way to escape the sinking feeling of dread that my mother had passed. And um, so to give you an idea, like just to give you some context about that time in my life is that it was 2017 and which I can't believe was four years ago, but it was 2017. And during that time, it was this, it, it really was like a groundbreaking moment in my career because within, you know, a month, I had said goodbye to my life as a caregiver. I was the owner of a home daycare, so really living hand to mouth. And within a month's time, I accepted the position of artistic director at Be Current performing arts and I published a book that ended up being critically acclaimed and beloved by the nation and it was something that I didn't foresee happening but I I was on such a high from that moment like this this just this life-changing time and then on November 2nd that was my 40th birthday and I just thought wow like life is generous Life is good. Like the, the universe is being so generous to me right now. And yet the universe was like, but you have so much to learn. So here's one of the biggest lessons is that your mother will not be here forever. And boom, my mother called to tell me that, uh, you know, like what the Christmas plans were going to be that, you know, we're going to have uh, dinner at, at your house on Christmas Eve um, then Christmas day will be spent here. Then this, like all these things, uh, you know, saying what the, what the plan is, then New Year's day, uh, these people are coming in from Montreal and isn't this exciting? And I said, yeah, it's exciting. It's great. And we hung up. She then did a group text to, uh, me and the rest of the family, uh, detailing it, just basically confirming what was said in the phone call. And then said at the very end, there's so much to look forward to. Love, mommy. And an hour later, I get a phone call from my father saying, we're, we're on our way to the hospital. Meet us at the hospital. And I, I, we were like, what? what? What's going on? We were so confused as to like, because we just got off the, we all got off the phone with her at different times. And she had an aneurysm. And it was a catastrophic aneurysm. Uh, which means that there's really no going back. Because, you know, some people do survive aneurysms. But um, that word, I still remember, ca catastrophic. That she was, it was to the point where she was not going to come back. And they were very clear about that. There was no operating. There was no helping her. Um, and I had to watch this very painful process of them. They do this test, this cognitive test to see if she was still alive, like if there was any brain activity. And it was so painful to watch, but they confirmed that she was brain dead. And on November 15th, uh, then she was wheeled in. That was the date that we chose. It was going to be the day of her death because they had to wheel her in and they actually, I believe it was seven of her organs were then donated to people. So she lives on in seven different people. 
Um, and a, a friend of ours, uh, a Filipina nurse, uh, texted me and let me know that she actually witnessed my mother's organs going into a, uh, a recipient and that it was successful. So um, it was, it meant the world to me that just to know that my mom's legacy lives on in these seven people. So you can imagine that, you know, during this time, it's so weird because you're in still in, the, I was still in the middle of this book tour. There was news of, uh, you know, like the, the book was getting on all of the uh, best, best of lists. Uh, I was still doing events. I, then I got on the long list for Canada Reads. Like it was just like my career was just going and going and going. And on top of that, I'm still helming this company that is still in the process of being rebuilt. Um, and it was, it was terrifying. I also had a, a long list of people that really counted on me creatively to be there for them. Part of helming this company was also guiding people, like mentoring artists, um, helping them grow. And I know that I, I gave them a hundred percent and that meant that I had nothing like I had zero calories for myself when I when I tried to do book events one moment was it was really like a turning point for me where I was like you can't do this you cannot do this any longer like you have to stop and you have to mourn I did a reading um, at, I believe it was at U of T and I just could not stop crying. So I just basically, these, these people just watched me sob the entire time. And, uh, and like, and I'm, I'm talking like, I'm an ugly crier, like <laughs> full on, like, you will not understand a word that I am saying. Um, if I could have rolled on the floor, sucking my thumb, I probably would have done that. Like it was, it was really bad. And uh, there was also another event in which all I did was cry in the corner. And this, I remember people just still wanting to shake my hand, still wanting me to sign their books. And I just had to stop. Now, what I, the only thing I could, I, had to, I could do at that time, and I, I thought that it was a good idea to do, was just to be really clear on social media, please know that I am in mourning. I cannot accept any uh, engagements at this time. Please don't ask me for mentorships. Please don't ask me to do this and that. And it made it worse. <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah. Like, Shohana, it made it worse. I was appalled. An older actor from the Filipino community, and he, he had the audacity to email me. He said, yes, I, I remember your mother back in the day because my mother was a pioneer of Filipino folk dance education in Canada. And he said, I remember, I, re I remember her back in the day, uh, you know, what a legacy she's living behind. It's so sad that she's lost uh, to this world. Uh, here's my headshot and resume. Uh, I, I would love to hear from you if, in case there's any opportunities um, for actors. And I couldn't believe it. Um, there, there were other times where I would do an event and during the event, I would specifically say, because I remember one person asking about, you know, how do I lead, you know, emerging writers? And I was like, actually, I, can't, I don't really lead a lot of uh, writers because of the fact that I'm actually really new at writing fiction. Um, ha however, uh, even at this time, I'm not in any shape to mentor anybody because my mother had just died. So I, I remember saying that, and right after the event, the person who was organizing the event, who heard me, said, oh, that was really great. What a great event. I was wondering if we can still go for coffee, because uh, I would love to pick your brain about this book idea that I had. And I said, did you just hear what I said? My mother died. I cannot do it. It got to the point where um, I really became, like, I had to be like a... a a recluse. Like I, I, I had to really cut off my social media. I had to not do any events. I, um, the wonderful people at Arsenal Pulp Press were just like, just send the, send the, um, queries to us and I will, uh, like I will tell them no. And also my agent Marilyn was really understanding about it all. Uh, so that was, it was a really tough time. And then on top of that all is that, 
I always feel like the stories are still coming. Like the stories were still coming out of me and I, I still needed to write. But the th- I would say that, you know, all of the suffering, the suffering through the morning, the thing that was very transformative for me was a conversation that I had with, um, there are, they are a, um, an acupuncturist in the queer community had mentioned to me that they continued to have a relationship with their mother after they had passed. And as well, there is no way that you can go around the grief. You can't go over the grief. You can't go under it, but you have to go through it. And, you know, that language, you know, again, I'll bring up this entire Scorpio thing, (laughs) is that to hear you need to go through it. When you tell a Scorpio that, it's like, okay, let me get my helmet and my goggles. <laughs> let me get my oxygen tank. I'm ready to go. I will yeah. dive right in and I will do it. I, I knew then that that was the call, is that it's I'm not going to pretend that this is okay. I'm actually going to just let it course through me. And I'm not going to I'm not gonna um, do what a, a lot of people do with grief, with grief which is, to deny that it exists, um, to make it neat. And so I was really going to get messy. So during that time, I basically wore pajamas every day. I don't know how many days went by when I did not brush my teeth. I cried as much as I need to, even if it was in the mall, even if it was while I was flossing my teeth. Um, I just decided I don't care how embarrassed people are with how emotional I am, I'm just going to keep on crying and crying and crying because I uh, I don't want to fight it. Uh, I will just mourn it because my mom deserves to, for me to be truthful about how much she meant to me. And um, I did it. I I really, really just, just really, uh, you know, like lacerated the boil and just let the infection come forth. Like that's what it was for me. And it's still, you know, like these waves still still go through me. But I'm so thankful for this person, this practitioner telling me this because I needed to be given permission to just let it go. Because otherwise it was going to affect me and it was I was just going to be filled with so much regret and resentment. Um, and and I, I feel really thankful for that. So much of what you're saying is resonating with me. I think the idea of like being given permission to grieve is one that we don't hear about often, but I definitely relate to it. Uh, What I found really interesting, um, I we didn't know each other in 2017. Um, You said your mom passed away in November of 2017. My mom passed away in March of 2017. No way. Yeah. And it gets it gets stranger. I remember that year I was still living with my dad in our family home. And every morning my dad would drive me to Kennedy subway station to drop me off. And from there I would take the train to go to work. And on that car ride, my dad and I don't get never got along well. And it would be pretty much a silent car ride. And we would usually have the radio on. And I, one of the things I remember very clearly was when you were on CBC Metro Morning talking about Scarborough. No The way. book, Scarborough. Yes, I, I'm not kidding. I remember this, the, because you were taking the LRT with... Oh, Matt Galloway. Matt Galloway, that's his name. Yes, you were taking the LRT with Matt Galloway and you were showing him, like, this is Scarborough. Like, this is, this is the place that I wanted to write about. This is where my inspiration comes from. And I just remember, again, I knew nothing about you at that point, but I just remember listening to that conversation. I was like, I want to read this book. And I, <laughs> that's how I ended up getting into it. And then years later when I met you, I don't know if I ever told you this, like the first time I met you was for the Buddies audition. Yes. I was shaking the entire day. <laughs> like the whole morning, I was like, I want to meet Catherine Hernandez. <laughs> like, I was fangirling. Um, but how strange is it that like from that time in my life where I felt like a shell of a human being and I was not responding to anything 
But I very clearly remember this one morning when I heard you on the radio and I had no idea what was going on in your life at the time. Like, I just remember, you know, I heard you on the radio. I thought you were great. And I just went and picked up your book to now hear this other side yeah. where, you know, it sounds traumatic, honestly, to be hounded like that while you're mourning. Yeah. I, and I, I want to mention, too, okay, so when you say that this is, like, unbelievable and this is strange, like, all of this happenstance, is that I do believe that people who have experienced grief, like, actual grief, like, over, like, you know, um, uh, the death of a loved one, is that we actually find each other. Mm. I, I, I do believe that because they're I don't, I'm not sure how to even explain it, but the people who have actually lost, like, you know, their parents or their siblings or, or whatever, there is a wisdom in their face. It marks their face in a certain way. Uh, and I, I, I saw it in the mirror. I remember saying it on Facebook saying, is it just me or did I grow older? And I, I really, and I, I made sure I said something like, I'm not asking for praise or, you know, like for you to affirm me that I look younger. I'm really asking the people who understand grief. Do you get older after someone dies? And it was uh, Bea Pizzano from Aluna Theater. And she said, absolutely, you grow old. (laughs) And it is okay. You look fabulous. But yes, you do grow old. Because I remember looking in the mirror and going, oh, Oh my gosh, I look completely different. And I think there is that marking of grief on your body. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a wisdom that I believe that those people find each other, much like how, you know, uh, with regards to your sketch comedy troupe, right? The fact that you all found each other. I don't think that that is circumstance. I think it's really the universe um, somehow bringing us together because of the fact that when you... Uh, let's just be real. The people who have not experienced that level of grief, a lot of them say really silly things, mm-hmm. completely clueless things. And I've done it before I lost my mom. I remember not really quite understanding what to say. Uh, chin up, you know, things will get better. Time heals all wounds, all of those greeting card sayings. Um, whereas after after you experience grief, you start to say wise things like, I'm so sorry and I actually, I don't know what to say to you, but is it okay if maybe we sit here for a while? Would that help you? It's such a salve on the soul to he- hear words that make sense. And and I, I know that the universe really brings people together when they've had similar experiences like this. Otherwise, I, I think I would be screaming at the sky right now. If I had just been surrounded by clueless people who had never experienced grief, I just would have been like, no, thanks. No, thanks. I'm just going to go hide in a cave right now. I remember there were so many mornings after my mom passed away where I would just stand in front of the mirror and like look at my look at my face. And I didn't it wasn't necessarily that I felt older. And I kept wondering, I was like, maybe I'm crying and my eyes are sunken in like I just looked worn out. I think the year after my mom died, I felt like I had aged 10 years mentally. Mm -hmm. Just, I went from nothing feels right. I don't really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the same person anymore. And I, I moved out that year, you know, moved into my own place. I had never cooked before. I had to teach myself how to cook when I moved. Oh my gosh. What a, what a like amazing transition for you. It was it was something else. My mom had always been an incredible cook and she would try to get me to cook with her so that I could learn because she would always say like, you really like eating this food. You know, someday you'll have to cook it yourself. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I never took the time to learn. And after she died, I remember thinking like, oh, I'll never get to taste her lentils again. Like, who's going to make that for me? I still don't know how to cook Bangladeshi foods. I don't. Sometimes I think I should try, but then I I just kind of, part of me is like, oh, it'll never be as good as hers. And so I don't try. Um, But yeah, I had to like learn how to live on my own, learn how to cook for myself, learn how to, you know, fend for myself in the world. And I literally felt like I had aged a decade in that year. It's like, I love this idea of of cooking, like, you know, like not tasting 
like the person the, like the way that the person passed made it uh I was so lucky Shohana like my mom had given to me like uh, there's there's one thing that that I I received before she died was a diary that it was one of those fillable diaries where it asks you questions and it was like a yeah like a mother's story and I gave it to my mom for Mother's Day way back in like 2013 or something like that and she filled it out I didn't think she was gonna use it because you know when she had died like I want to be honest there were shampoo bottles that I had given to her when I was the associate editor of a beauty magazine and I'm talking like I was pregnant when I had given that to- my daughter is 17 now so that gives you an idea as to how long she was hoarding these beauty <laughs> products that I had given to her um so I didn't think she was going to use it but then she gave it back to me actually filled out and so I had all of these things that like all of these secrets and these these dreams that she had she had written down in this diary and she gave it to me the following mother's day and I didn't read it because there was something about it like almost like if I was to read the book I would have to accept my own mother's mortality. Like there was something about it that I just, it just didn't seem right to read it. And then when she passed, it was such a comfort for all of us to read her passages, you know, like, like things that she thought about when she was a little kid, what her favorite color was, what she thought, like, you know, like really fun things, like, you know, what, what are her favorite things to eat? Like all these things are so sweet. And another thing that I got from her was her recipe book. Now, um, another Scorpio thing that I did was I was like, I know I'm going to make myself her sponge cake. There's a recipe here. I'm going to follow it and I'm going to make a sponge cake for Christmas. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. And then, of course, like I played her favorite Carpenter's Christmas album. Like what I don't know what kind of self-torture I was into at that time, but I tried desperately to make her cake. It came out you know, better than I thought it was going to because I am not the best baker. I make great, like, you know, one kind of bread. That is the only thing I can make. It's fantastic, <laughs> but that is it. So um, I made it. It was sunken in the middle. It would not have passed, you know, like the uh, the great British bake-off. Um, but it tasted fabulous, according to my family. And it would, the taste of it was such a nice reminder of her skills. Like, cause she was, she was really good at baking. Yeah. Like I, I love the memory of someone in that way. Like the memory of like the way that they make things and, and the, the, so it, it feels good to even, even just to try. And also just to know that, you know, like for example, my mom, if she made cakes one day after the other, those two cakes will taste very different just because you know the weather her mood um humidity in the air all of these things and so it's okay that mine doesn't taste exactly the same but it, it's it's a slight reminder mm-hmm. um yeah like one thing that broke my heart when I heard it is that uh, so my partner Nazba said that eventually they forgot the sound of their father's voice and they said it so naturally and they said and it's okay the way that you just let like when their voice goes from your memory, what happens is, is that it's like as if their spirit is a little bit more lifted up into the horizon and they just go off. It's just like slowly and slowly they're gone and gone and gone. And they said it so naturally, but that ruined me because I thought I can't, I can't forget my mom's voice. I want to forget. I rem- want to remember everything now, you know, we're at, you know, we're now in 2021 is that, I'm actually slowly growing into this idea that, you know, when you think about the food, that that slowly goes away. The, like the taste of her food is slowly going to go away. Eventually her voice will leave me. Is that it's okay. It's okay that they leave you in this way. And also, um, you know, there's something really important to know is that they're also always there. (laughs) You know, like my mom is, ever present in my life and I feel so thankful that our relationship now is extraordinary like I I feel so strong about who she is to me because you know like all relationships you know they're not perfect and um we definitely had our struggles but the truth is that she was 
the person who made me who I am. I'm a creative person. I'm a leader. I'm uh, strong because of how she taught me uh, to be. So I, f- I feel her. She, she, I've seen her in one dream, uh, which, is, which was really nice. We, and it was just like how it was before. We met at a mall. We went to the food court and enjoyed food at the food court. And I thought she must have went through so much trouble to reconstruct this entire world of like a mall and everything because that really reminded me of what it was like to be around her. Like for her to appear that way was a lot. Um, she also appeared to me in around, um, I can't remember if it was Christmas or her birthday, but I looked to the side and I saw her shoes for like this, the briefest second. And I was just amazed. I, 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 again, I'm always full of gratitude when something like that happens because it's like, I don't think it's easy for them to do that. I think they probably have to like fill like this form and triplicate. We ha- they have to like, you know, get permission. They have to, um, they have to go through all, you know, I don't know what kind of spiritual protocol they have to do to do this, but it, it, it must be a lot, right? Because it, it is like, you know, it's, it's a lot for them, whatever, or it's just energy, you know, when they could be doing other things like, uh, my mom could be seeing movies in whatever the spirit world they're doing. Like she could be going to the buffet, whatever she's doing. Um, but instead for her to do this, it's just, I'm so thankful. Um, but I always feel like she's there when I'm writing and I can see that she's just so proud. Like I can really feel how proud she is. Um, and that, that feels great. And I, so like, you know, just slowly it's like, Oh, the morning is still there. The grief is still there. And the whole, like, you know, that, that feeling like there's like a hole in the sky and mm-hmm. yet it feels like, yeah, there's a hole in the sky. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I didn't believe it back in 2017. If someone was to tell me that you just get used to it. Like it's just, it's just a fact instead of it being the tragedy of your life. I wouldn't believe it. But now I'm just like, no, it's just that uh, for me, what was really comforting is that I just know that spiritually she's here. I know that she's just so proud of me. Yeah, it's so funny. It's strange. It Four years feels like nothing. And yet four years feels like an eternity. Mm-hmm. It's constantly towing that line of, I can't believe it's been four years wow, I can't believe it's been only four years. Um, The thought of forgetting her voice is, I'm not going to lie, that took my breath away a little bit when you said that. I I might need to sit with that one for a while because that, to me, that felt like, that's hard. That's That felt like a gut punch in the second. Um, I think it just says something about the human experience that you know it's just yeah there's a hole in the sky what about it yeah um in Bangladesh it's a very common it's sort of um I don't know if it's a myth or if it's a religious thing but basically they say that after losing someone if you see them in your dream it means that they are in heaven so after my mom passed my aunts and uncles and cousins kept asking me like have you had a dream about her yet have you had a dream about her? Like you, you should, you should be dreaming about her. And I hadn't. And I remember feeling so guilty. I was like, oh my God, like, why can't I dream? Like, I just need to have this dream so that, you know, every, I can tell them like, yes, I've dreamt about her. She's, she's happy. She's in heaven. And I (laughs) I remember just feeling this tension of like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not dreaming about her? (laughs) And then one night, uh, I had a dream about her and it was the context didn't make sense at all. It was um, University of Toronto, the St. George campus where I went to school. One of the science buildings is called the Sydney Smith Hall. And it's a hall where I spent a lot of time in undergrad. And in front of this hall, there are these large concrete planters with lots of greenery. And my mom loved greenery. She loved gardening, you know, growing tomatoes and uh, chili peppers and all those things. But there's this large concrete planter with the with the tree coming out of it. And she was sitting on the edge of it. And I remember um, when she was sitting on the planter, her feet didn't reach the ground. Oh. So she was like dangling her feet and smiling. 
And I woke up and I think it was the first time that year that I like woke up with happy tears. I was like, I finally dreamed about her. Yeah. She's finally in heaven. Thank God. Um, And just to see her be so light and joyful, I think because she passed away from a a long-term illness, it was very hard to watch her suffer. And it was very hard to watch her be less and less of herself every day. Before that dream, I couldn't remember the last time I had seen her, you know, just like smile and have a moment of levity. So that dream meant so much to me. And I remember the next week, my cousin asked me, like, did you dream about her? And I was like, yes. Do you want to hear about it? (laughs) I was so excited. I was like, yeah, it finally happened. That was Um, a total win, Shahana. Seriously. (laughs) No, even if it was just a flash, if it was just a moment, that Really, I do believe that was a lot of trouble for your mom to to arrange. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I think our brains are just such complex things. Mm -hmm. Like to get to that place where they can meet you in that in-between place. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, I just think that's that's such a, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you had that dream. (laughs) Thank you. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, so you said that when you're writing, you can um, feel that your mother is there. How has your mother's loss or your grief impacted that? Well, I'm just really thankful. Like my, my practice is is a very specific kind of practice that not a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not the only one who believes this, but uh, the um, the way that I write is that I believe that the ancestors are writing through me, that I'm just a conduit. Even before my mom had passed, I would just take a moment, breathe, and just let my fingers just dance on the keyboard. And whatever they wanted me to say, I'd say. Now, if that was not my practice, I don't think I would have been able to write while in mourning. Because for me, it's very much like... Um, it is a, a a form of of channeling, uh, and I, sometimes I get kind of embarrassed about that because you know I've never been to school for creative writing. Um, I don't even have a degree. I, I just have a, a diploma in theater at Ryerson Theater Acting, so uh, I just kind of get embarrassed about it because that's really all I did in order to write Scarborough is that I wrote what the ancestors told me to wrote, write. It's the same thing with crosshairs, with everything that I've written. It's simply just me sitting at the at my laptop and just channeling what the ancestors want me to say. Because then it's less about me. It's about the work. And if I do really well, they get the accolades as well. If I do um, really badly, they also <laughs> take some of the blame. Um, but uh, it means, too, that my mom has been present this entire time while I'm, while I'm, I'm writing. And most definitely when she was alive, it was almost like it was outside of myself. And I I wanted to make sure that she felt happy with what I created. That was a big part of our relationship was making sure that she felt that I was honoring her legacy um, through my work. And it's different now is that of course I'm honoring her legacy through my work. Every time I'm, I I sit at my laptop and I do things, it, it just feels like she's there. Well, her and everybody. Like, it's a crowded place. It's always a very crowded room for me um, when I'm doing this ancestor work. And I'm just so happy that she's among them now. Like She's just, she has so much to say. I can sense when she's feeling like I could do better. Um, she, I can sense when she's cheering me on, when she feels like I'm being lazy and I should stop watching reality television and I should actually start working I can sense that um because that was a big part of a relationship was her telling me I could do better um you know like when she was teaching me traditional forms of Filipino dance she was hard on me I always wanted to do well by her and this you know this book I feel that she's like yes you were listening this time good job this is you know good first draft and then now it's like whoever the ancestors are of my editor, of my agent, everybody, they're all working together to make sure that, you know, we're going to get this book to the finish line. It just feels like I feel so full of her right now. 
Yeah. So that's, that's what it feels like. I mean, and again, that might not be the practice for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. I get that it's a little granola uh, because, uh, you know, I did a a writing workshop recently. Was it just last year for the, it was like writing during the pandemic. And I thought it was going to be really helpful for people to understand this sort of of like spiritual practice that I do because it's Mm non-capitalist. It's not about sitting and writing down and, you know, go, right, right, right. Instead, it's just saying, what is the universe telling you to do? Then, then do it. Because if, it's, if, if the universe is saying, stop, breathe, cry, because we're in the middle of this uh, crisis, then do it. Um, but otherwise, let the ancestors guide your hand along the page. And we, I got some feedback from people <laughs> saying, this is not my practice. I was expecting exercises, writing exercises. I was expecting... Um, you to you know make me do a diary uh, passage or for us to read our work to each other and all this stuff this is not what I signed up for and I got it I totally get it that it's weird but it's totally what works because during the pandemic I did not stop writing and the reason why is because the ancestors didn't tell me to stop and if they're if they're there like you know what I mean if they're there if they're moving me I'm, I'm moved I didn't feel hard done by because it's not about me, my personality, the one that is affected by the pandemic that is ruined and scared for the future is not the one writing. They're the ones who are writing. They're just using my hands. So that really helps. Um, you know, gotta love those ancestors. <laughs> they really, really during a pandemic, they've, they've been so helpful. <laughs> I love that so much. And it also makes me think of one of my favorite cliche quotes which is teamwork makes the dream work (laughs) it's it's something that I say constantly at work in like a very corporate setting but I don't think I've ever meant it more than when I'm saying it now (laughs) truly like that's so wonderful and it feels uh, you said that it's non-capitalist but it, it like it feels free and that's beautiful and I think as I mentioned like I've been struggling with you know, staying creative in this, in this pandemic. And I think part of it is because my brain keeps going to like, well, what am I trying to produce? What am I like trying to make? Am I trying to make a show? Is it going to be on the stage in 2022? Okay. Who's going to come to this? What do I need to, it's so much of it is like driven by the result. Yes. And I think the idea of freeing ourselves of that and just sitting down and write what, you're feeling or thinking and whatever the ancestors are channeling through you just take that and run with it is great (laughs) yeah because then the question you ask the universe is just so big right it's just like what do you want me to say right now Mm -hmm. at this time the universe was saying i want you to write a book that is about a friendship like just pure love between these two people that would not have crossed paths otherwise just write this book. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a warm hug. And I think that we all need a warm hug after all of this. So I just loved writing it. And that's what it feels like. It feels so wonderful uh, when they're guiding you. That's so wonderful. And I cannot wait to read it. (laughs) I'm so excited. Oh, good. If you could go back in time to when you're, uh, when you were, grieving or when you lost your mother mm-hmm. what advice would you give yourself I would say that it's okay to say no you don't have to explain anything to anyone that you know it's that cliche is that no is a, a perfect and complete phrase mm. and the world will keep on turning the time will keep on marching on you can say no and that's and it's going to be okay love that (laughs) (laughs) what advice do you give others um going through grief or loss now i will tell you that there were support groups that i was a part of Mm -hmm. and sometimes you'd see people that were like mourning for decades and they're they would be you know, just cycling through the same monologue over and over about what they were grieving about is that, you know, there'll be like this one detail about not being able to say goodbye or, you know, uh, just like things left undone and they will keep on cycling through it over and over again. And you can make the decision 
as to whether or not you will complete that cycle, you will complete that grief and say, I'm not going to cycle through this regret and this resentment. I'm going to face what that resentment is and really grieve it, let it course through my body instead of just going through that cycle over and over again. Because I wanted to really, in partnership with my mother, move through it gracefully. But I feel like really facing the grief head on so that you're learning things from it instead of it being this constant thing of this constant trigger that's going to you know send you down this rabbit hole, right? Like, but I really want to face my grief in a way that it's generative to me. And I've learned a lot from it. I remember my mom now, I remember her spunk. Like she was just so spunky. You know, she loved dancing. And um, I'm sure that wherever she is right now, you know, at resorts where you have that dance instructor who's teaching everybody how to do the line dancing and all that. She's totally doing that (laughs) um, with all of the other spirits. Like they are just having the best time with her around. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure she's she's sort of the center of attention. I said, I remember her like that, just like loving to dance. And it was what the sad thing is, is that because she had AFib, um, which is the reason why she had the aneurysm was because the the blood thinners that you take with AFib mm. can give you, uh, can like one of the side effects is an aneurysm, is that she wasn't able to dance what, like closer to the end of her life. And mm. I thought, I think about that all the time because I can't imagine not dancing, but that was my mom. She wasn't able to dance for the last year of her life. Is that like, so that's how I remember her is dancing um and just like that joy that she had in her body with moving her body honoring her memory most definitely is that if I want to dance I dance (laughs) I really love dancing um and so it's you know that joy is in my body so you know it might be five o'clock in the morning like I'm I'm not joking because that's where when I get up now now that I'm in my mid-40s is that like uh I will still listen to music early in the morning and just be dancing in my kitchen. And I know that she's there with me. And I also honor her by, you know, like the few people that I do mentor is that it's the patience that I have for them because she actually, her specialty was teaching non-dancers how to dance. Oh, wow. And um, she had a, a great amount of patience for it even with the most like awkward, like some sometimes people are just really body awkward. And those were her favorite projects. And I think about that and I'm like, oh, okay. So when I'm mentoring people, like I, I really do have that. Like, I'm like, those were actually my favorite people. Like the best, my, the best storytellers I find are the people who are like, you know, um, bank clerks and, you know, dentists and, you know, cashiers, those people tell great stories and so when I when I really encourage people to find an, the art in their life, I feel like I'm I'm really honoring my mom because uh, she she would she would she love to do that. I love that. I love telling people that you know like actually your story is great. You should write that down. Like share it. You are really smart. You're really brilliant. Keep going. And so that I know that that's my mom talking for sure. That's so lovely. And I also chuckled to myself when you said awkward in the body because (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but again, going back to my buddy's audition, I was so awkward. (laughs) You kept trying to, you were playing music and you wanted to see like how we would move with the music. And I just remember because I, and I explained this to you after, like, I have trauma in the body that stops me from, you know, yep. sometimes freeing myself. But I remember you played the music and I was just like, uh, I don't know if I'm really doing anything. And I remember leaving that audition being like, oh, dear God, what is wrong with me? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, like, you know, when it comes to movement like that, it's it really is like, um, as a teacher, you just know when people are like, okay, there's body awkward, then there's another category, which is just like, there's a spirit that's there that's moving them. But then there is the personality that's saying, 
don't move this way right now. And I could definitely see that in you at that moment. And I think that both of us, what's so interesting about the fact that when we had met at that time, that both of us were, you know, different stages of mourning Mm -hmm. is that, you know, as the leader of that program, I think that I really had to not be in a mourning stage at all. And it felt like a blessing to, to see you still in a raw state that I'm like, you are like, you're feeling what I wish I could feel right now, but I have to lead this class. Like that was what was so interesting about that interaction with us at that time. Um, Because, you know, you can't, you can't really feel, feel, you know, during the, when you're leading people. Um, But I'm glad that you felt like you were like, this is where you're at, at that point. (laughs) (laughs) This is all it is. This is all it is. Catherine, thank you so much for this wonderful, strangely joyful conversation about a really, really otherwise depressing topic. Totally. Um, That's what I'm finding over and over is like these conversations are, are pretty happy. We're talking about sad things, but like the conversations don't feel sad. And that's so wonderful. Oh, no, it's it is. You know what it is, is that with someone else's mourn, they can see the humor in it. Yeah, for sure. If another person told me the first year is the hardest, I'm going <laughs> to throw, <laughs> throw something at the wall. Um, but yes, that's uh, that's that. Well, friends. Consider this an indication from two Scorpios that your permission to grieve has been granted. Congrats. That's all this week. Smooth, right? Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to listen, and please rate and leave us a review. It really helps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FindersGrievers, and write to us at FindersGrievers at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.